Hi everyone and welcome back to another nightly broadcast. I hope that you are enjoying our series on the journey of Christmas as we move into the holiday season. Over the course of the next couple of weeks, we're going to be settling into the Christmas story and looking at some of the characters and components of it a little bit more closely. So tonight I'm bringing the character of Elizabeth uh, out of the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. And in my own study, and when I thought about the character of Elizabeth, I realized that her story is not really one that's paid much attention. And I was kind of thinking about why, and um, I realized that Elizabeth is a character who's always in the shadow of one of the other characters of her story. She's in the shadow of Mary. Mary is her cousin, and Mary is a pretty big story in the Christmas story. She's the one who carries in and uh, births Jesus Christ. But she's also in the shadow of her son, John the Baptist, um, who is one of the greatest and most prominent names of the New Testament. And Elizabeth is also in the shadow of Zechariah. We're gonna be looking at um, the verses a little bit more closely in just a minute, but Elizabeth's reaction to her miraculous pregnancy is captured in two verses, whereas Zechariah's um, reaction to being informed by the angel Gabriel that his wife is going to conceive and that he will have a son, his um, reaction is captured in verses 8 through 23 of chapter 1 in detail. And so, yeah, Elizabeth is in the shadows of these other characters found in her story. But she's important to those other characters, and the other characters are important to her. But tonight, I want to focus and highlight on Elizabeth's miracle story in Luke chapter 1. She's kind of become one of my new favorites in the Bible. Her story of uh, faith and faithfulness to the Lord, which I'll say more about later, is a powerful one. And I think that we can all learn a little something from Elizabeth's miracle story tonight. So I'm going to be working my way through Luke chapter 1, not in sequential order of the verses. I'm going to kind of... Uh, refer to verses here and there, but it's all in Luke chapter 1. Since our series right now is on movements, we're looking at movements through the Christmas story, um, I chose to kind of draw out three movements that uh, I see in Elizabeth's miracle story. The first one is the movement from the impossible to the possible situation by way of a miracle. And because of this miracle of moving from impossible to possible, we see a movement from sorrow and shame to joy and hope. And then we also see a movement as a result of the impossible to the possible. We also see 
a movement from a cultural and social perception um, that Elizabeth is of little worth and value in her society because she had no legacy. Um, and we see a movement of this public perception from no worth and value to one of great worth and being perceived as richly blessed by God because of the miracle of Elizabeth's story. And it just so happens that these three movements um, in her story all swing up impossible to possible, sorrow and shame to joy and hope, and being culturally and socially viewed and perceived um, by others as of little worth and value to someone who has been richly blessed. And so Elizabeth's story ends on a happy note with a happy ending and a celebratory ending. So let's turn to the first movement. The first movement is from the impossible to the possible. We go from an impossible situation turned possible. At the outset of the chapter of Luke chapter one, we learn that Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband, and Elizabeth are old. They are old and they are childless. Elizabeth was barren and unable to ever have children. And so naturally in their old age, the time for Elizabeth to biologically conceive a child has passed. That desire is history. That prayer was left unmet and unanswered by God for whatever reason. And so biologically speaking, it was an impossible situation for Elizabeth and Zechariah to have a child. But then the scripture tells us that Elizabeth is from the priestly lineage of Aaron, who is Moses's brother back in the Old Testament, and that Elizabeth walked in the ways of the Lord all of her life. These details of her story hearken back to a few of Israel's prominent women in the Old Testament who had also experienced um, the movement from the impossible to the possible in the same way that Elizabeth has. And also the pain and the disgrace of being childless and being women who served God only to later have a miracle child in their old age who would become a famous leader. Women like Sarah, whose son Isaac became a patriarch. Manoah's wife, whose son Samson became a deliverer and judge. And Hannah, whose son Samuel became a prophet and judge. Uh, we also have women like Rebecca and Rachel, who were also initially barren and unable to have children. And now Elizabeth's miracle story, um, who has the child who will become the prophet John the Baptist. 
her impossible turns possible by verse 8 in Luke chapter 1, when an angel of the Lord uh, named Gabriel visits her husband Zechariah as he's worshiping in the synagogue. And Zechariah informs, uh, excuse me, Gabriel informs Zechariah that his wife is going to have a child, even in her own age. Verse 6 um, of chapter 1 tells us that God saw Elizabeth and her husband Zechariah as righteous people in his eyes because of their faithfulness to his uh, ways all of their lives. So as we move into the second movement, with the change in Elizabeth's situation from being childless to being pregnant, there's emotional movement in her story as well. Just like the other Old Testament women before her who experienced the same miracle from God, their sorrow over not being blessed with having children and the shame and disgrace that comes with that uh, culturally in biblical times, having no legacy brought shame and disgrace on a family in the public eye, public perception. But it turns to joy and hope uh, for the women of the Old Testament when God works this miracle in them. And it is the same for Elizabeth. The angel, Gabriel, who visited Zechariah and informed him of his wife's pregnancy, tells Zechariah, you will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. That was verse 14. The second and third movement, um, I'm moving into the third movement, are closely related because the cultural stigma of a childless woman had major social implications um, it, back in biblical times. In biblical times, the ability to have children was perceived as blessing from God. So being childless brought shame and disgrace upon a woman and her family. And culturally, uh, being uh, the inability to have children greatly diminished a woman's value and worth in the uh, perception of her society. But while Elizabeth had probably, just like the women before her, been viewed and perceived culturally uh, as someone of little worth and value in her old age, and on top of that, being childless with no legacy, God saw her great worth and he honored Elizabeth's uh, faith and faithfulness to him and Zechariah's faithfulness um, by blessing them with this child. And just like Mary, who was also an unlikely candidate for carrying someone like the Messiah and Savior of the world, God chose to use an old, childless, but faithful woman to carry and bring one of the most famous names of the New Testament into the world. 
And we know her son and Zechariah's son is John the Baptist. And God could have chosen anyone. We can say it for Mary. She was a young virgin girl. Um, and here we have the old, older, uh, childless woman. And these are who God chose to bring uh, these, uh, the Savior of the world and John the Baptist into the world. He chose someone of little value in her society anymore. He chose someone of age, a certain age, and he chose someone who was not blessed in the greatest way culturally that a woman uh, was blessed back then, understood back then. And God gives Elizabeth not only a child, but this great name uh, in the Bible. The person who becomes a great name in the Bible. So part of the value socially that Elizabeth gains through this miracle of a child is a voice. Elizabeth, the scripture says, is filled with the spirit and has a prophetic voice in this account that makes it markedly evident that God is orchestrating these events. Her husband, Zechariah, is mute upon finding out that her husband, that her, upon finding out that his wife is going to conceive and have a child. That is found in verse 19. So the angel Gabriel, who informs Zechariah of his wife's pregnancy, this is um, Zechariah's response to the uh, information from the angel. Verse 18 says, Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. So God silences disbelief and he honors the belief and the faith in Elizabeth's miracle story. It's Elizabeth's voice that speaks praise to God for this miracle within her. Her husband speaks disbelief and she speaks faith. Her reaction is captured in verse um, 24 and 25. It says, Soon afterward, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. It is Elizabeth's voice that encourages her young cousin Mary in the miraculous situation that she's also found herself in, being pregnant as a virgin with a fiancé. And that is captured in verses um, 42 and 43. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary. Mary goes to see Elizabeth 
after finding out that Elizabeth is also pregnant, um, Mary goes to see her cousin and tell her of her pregnancy, miraculous pregnancy as well. Back to verse 42. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? And it is Elizabeth's voice um, when the chapter one uh, wraps up. It's Elizabeth's voice that breaks the cultural tradition uh, by publicly announcing the name of their son upon his birth. Traditionally, the father was the one to announce the name of the, the son when he is born because typically the family name was passed down from generation to generation. But at this point, Zechariah is still mute. And so it is Elizabeth who states the name of um, their son, and it's not Zechariah. Traditionally, the son would have been named after his father, but Elizabeth pipes up and um, she says, no, his name will be John. That's captured in verses 57 through 65. And then I'm gonna read uh, verse 80 as well. It says, when it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. When the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zechariah after his father, but Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What, they exclaimed, there's no one in all of your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him, and he motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. Awe fell upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what happened had spread through the Judean hills. In verse 80, reads, John grew up and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. So, so far I have focused on the three movements that I drew from Elizabeth's story. And I know we're focusing on movements in our series for the next couple weeks, but I can't ignore the glaring constant throughout Elizabeth's miracle story, and that is her faith. And I've alluded to Elizabeth's faithfulness and Zechariah as well, but my focus is Elizabeth tonight. I've alluded to her faith and her faithfulness already tonight, but where we see movement in her story in other ways, the constant in her story is her unwavering faith in the Lord that is a shines prominently um, throughout this chapter. And so her faith is constant throughout chapter one, as you read, and only her faith, not even her husband Zechariah's faith is as constant as hers. I alluded earlier that when Zechariah heard that his wife, who's 
well in years, was going to conceive a child, um, his reaction was disbelief. And uh, Zechariah is from a priestly lineage, and so is Elizabeth, the scriptures tell us. They're both from priestly lineages and have pleased the Lord with their faith. Um, and here, Zechariah, uh, the movement of, of, of his faith and his story is one from faith to disbelief, whereas Elizabeth's is a constant. Her faith in the Lord remains even in something that seemed impossible, like a miraculous uh, birth of a son. Another example of Elizabeth's constant faith in her story is her interactions with Mary, her cousin. So the same angel Gabriel visits Mary in uh, the scripture says the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Gabriel says to, informs Mary that she will conceive by the Holy Spirit and bring forth the Messiah. In verses 36 through 38, the angel tells Mary um, that her cousin, Elizabeth, who is old, is also pregnant. So with this knowledge, the next few verses tell us that Mary then travels from Nazareth, where she lives, to the Judean highlands, where she went to go visit her cousin Elizabeth. And here we have this pregnant virgin um, traveling to go confide in her cousin because Elizabeth and Zechariah are some of the only people that would um, understand how this impossible miracle could be possible and true. And so Elizabeth's miraculous pregnancy coincides with Mary's miraculous pregnancy. And it's indicative that nothing is impossible with God. So Mary travels to her cousin to share in that joy and relieve some of the fears. Um, Elizabeth and Zechariah are two of the few people in Mary's world who will readily believe what is happening to her. And Mary also gets to witness the sign of Elizabeth's pregnancy when she visits her. So they kind of confirm each other's uh, miracle and affirm each other in the faith. Verses 42 and 45 is where this is captured. It says, Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. I referenced that chap that those verses earlier, I realized, but it just goes to show the faith that Elizabeth bestows to Mary in her situation. Um, My final example of Elizabeth's constant faith and faithfulness to the Lord in her miracle story 
is in the naming of their son, John. Elizabeth gets to voice his name, that his name will be John and not um, Zechariah after his father. And that just goes to show Elizabeth was faithful to keep the word of the Lord in naming their son, John, as she was told to do, as they were told to do. I just think that Elizabeth is such a beautiful example of this consistent, unwavering faith. And through this study, I just have come to love her story more, one that I don't think I paid much attention to, at least not as much as some of the other characters listed in her story. But I do have a new appreciation for Elizabeth's miracle story. Um, in that, you know, after a lifetime, she's older, she's lived, uh, she had this unanswered prayer. She was barren and childless. This unanswered desire, uh, this uh, desire had been unmet all her life. And the sorrow and the shame, both personally and publicly, that she had carried and dealt with all of her life, that despite all that, she faithfully served the Lord and remained faithful to his commands, commandments. And I can appreciate Elizabeth's story more now because of seeing these, these uh, movements in her story from impossible situation to possible by miracle of God, a miracle of God, and from shame and sorrow to joy and hope. Elizabeth's story has a happy ending. Her story ends uh, in celebration and her story is one that we can rejoice in how uh, the Lord honors faith and faithfulness. I hope that you have enjoyed sitting in Elizabeth's miracle story a little bit tonight. If you would, I would like to close us in prayer. Lord, we're so thankful when Stories in the Bible continue to speak to us in new ways that we continue to be able to draw new things, Lord, from stories that are familiar, so familiar. The Christmas story is so familiar, and yet there is so much more to learn. We thank, thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, God. We thank you, Lord, for the example of Elizabeth and her faithfulness to you in situations, no matter the situation, she chose to serve you. And God, I pray that that is our takeaway tonight. In the situations we face in life, may we remain, we remain faithful to you. We praise your name tonight, Lord. We glorify and honor it. 
We thank you, Lord, as you bless each and every person until we see each other again on the next broadcast. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thank you for joining us. Have a wonderful evening, and we'll see you next time.